You're listening to Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Ann Goldberg, president of the National Lipid Association, and I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Larry Caskell, presented by the National Lipid Association. Joining me today is Dr. David Marin. He is an associate professor of medicine and emergency medicine at Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. He's also the medical director of the Diani Center for Health and Wellness and chairman of the Optimal Medical Therapy Committee for the COURAGE trial. And today we're going to talk about the COURAGE trial and try and shed some light on what came out of that trial. Welcome to the show, Dr. Marin. Thank you very much. Well, you were pretty involved with the COURAGE trial. Uh, I'm curious what even got you into that. Well, in many respects, the COURAGE trial for me was an outgrowth of an earlier trial I had been involved with looking at the effect of multiple risk factor intervention on the progression of coronary artery disease angiographically. And I teamed up with some investigators from around the country who had also been thinking about comparing medical therapy alone with what happened when we treated patients with stable coronary disease with stenting which has become known as PCI for percutaneous coronary intervention. And so in the mid-1990s, we got together and started talking about a design for a trial that ultimately became known as COURAGE. What does COURAGE stand for? Clinical outcomes utilizing revascularization and aggressive drug evaluation. All right, so the purpose was to compare medicine versus an invasive procedure and or a stent placement? Not quite. It was to see whether adding PCI to optimal medical therapy as an initial management strategy reduced the risk of death or MI in patients with stable coronary disease compared with optimal medical therapy alone. So that the real difference between the groups was PCI, but both would be treated with the same medical therapy. In 2007, what is optimal medical therapy for stable coronary artery disease considered? It's really the same as what the American Heart Association and the American College of Cardiology guidelines recommend, and it is treating patients with antiplatelet therapy, aspirin and appropriate patients, clopidogrel. It's statin therapy with a goal to get LDL less than 70, ACE inhibitor therapy for patients who don't have a contraindication, beta blocker, especially in patients who have a prior MI, hypertension, angina. And then for those with angina, despite beta blocker therapy, adding a calcium channel blocker and or long-acting nitrate. That's the pharmacologic aspect. And then, of course, there, there are the lifestyle aspects of optimal medical therapy that include a low-saturated fat diet, a high-fiber diet, physical activity at least 30 minutes every day, weight loss if needed, and, of course, not smoking. What about looking at fish oil or raising HDL some way? Was that part of it? Fish oil was recommended for those patients who had high triglycerides. That was one of the alternative therapies. We did not have fish oil as part of the protocol. However, I would say that particularly for patients with a prior MI, that omega-3 fatty acids are part of what I would consider to be optimal medical therapy. 
And then, I'm sorry, what was the second? Some sort of therapy to raise HDL, you know, like niacin. Right. We focused on LDL as the primary target for lipid therapy. Once that had been achieved, we then asked our co-investigators around the country and, and up in Canada to put their attention on triglycerides and HDL with the goal of trying to get HDL greater than 40 and triglycerides less than 150. And so we did often combine a statin therapy with niacin as the best available pharmacologic therapy for raising HDL. All right, so let's jump to the chase. What were the main results of the COURAGE trial? Well, the main results, our primary endpoint was death or a non-fatal MI after a median four and a half years of follow-up. The rate was 18.5% in the medical therapy group and 19% in the PCI plus optimal medical therapy group. No significant difference. So the take-home, if, if that's what you're asking for, is that the addition of PCI to OMT, if you will, for optimal medical therapy, as an initial strategy for managing stable coronary disease did not reduce the risk of death or MI. That's really the, the take-home point. And then there are a lot of additional points. Well, I imagine that the interventionalists out there spun the results in ways to make it look like that the trial was not well done or not well powered or, you know, anything they could say to, to keep their stents going. Well, I think that every trial has limitations, and those limitations were brought to light, discussed. The study results upset a lot of people for a variety of reasons and uh, cheered a lot of people as, as well, depending on their bias going into the, the study. Or Unfortunately, the, the study has polarized or has highlighted the polarization of the cardiology community between interventional cardiologists and non-interventional cardiologists. And I think that that's a real shame because what we were trying to do was to shed light on what is optimal therapy for patients who present with stable coronary disease. But you're absolutely right. There has been a lot of controversy stirred by the study. A few months ago, I, I interviewed Dr. Nissen about the COURAGE trial, and I had heard him talk at an interventional meeting, and he was kind of uh, like a pariah walking into the lion's den. And he was there saying, you know, this was before COURAGE came out, saying that you really have to treat the entire arterial tree. It's a systemic disease, and, and stenting is not going to make a difference. And, you know, he was attacked on all fronts, and then COURAGE came out, and uh, it's kind of like he was vindicated. Well, if I could go back and talk a little bit about our hypothesis, I, I think it would address what you just brought up. We hypothesized that it would actually be better for patients in terms of death or MI by combining PCI plus optimal medical therapy. The reason that we hypothesized that is that although about two-thirds of MIs originate from a ruptured plaque, about a third are due to erosions and thrombus that lies over an erosion. And we thought that we would be able to prevent some MIs with 
PCI. We hoped that that would be the case. And so we thought that we would be treating both a severe stenosis that is more likely to lead to a total occlusion of a coronary artery than a mild stenosis, and at the same time treat the arterial tree to try to stabilize any vulnerable plaques that were not stenotic. So we, we hypothesized that the combination would be better than just treating the vulnerable plaque. And as it turns out, that in the patients that we studied, that we were wrong, that there was no reduction in the, that primary endpoint. And in retrospect, I, I think that it is because that angina is caused by lesions that are not, by and large, vulnerable, that constrictive remodeling of the coronary artery occurs as vulnerable plaques rupture and scar over. And what you're left with is a stenotic vessel that is not particularly inflamed and that opening that up is going to relieve angina but not reduce the risk of MI, whereas treating the inflamed arterial wall, the vulnerable plaques, with the combination of therapies that we mentioned earlier will sort of pacify the inflammation and reduce the risk of rupture. I can't stop but think why an insurance company, if I was the president of an insurance company and I read this trial, I would say, listen, we're not going to allow you to stent everybody you want to stent anymore. It's not leading to a decrease in mortality, and it's costing us billions of dollars, and you guys keep doing it like crazy. Well, I suppose if I were the president of an insurance company that I might think the same, but I don't think we're, we're quite ready to go straight to that point. Reasons being, first of all, it's, it's very important to discriminate between people who are coming in with acute coronary syndromes and those who have stable coronary disease. And that's something that I wish the, the press might have made a more clear distinction between. Secondly, there needs to be some freedom for cardiologists to select what they believe is the best therapy for any given patient. I, I think it's a little dangerous to make a black and white protocol. However, if the patient is clinically stable and does not have severe angina, then I think that it is really not appropriate to proceed directly to PCI before the patient has been given a trial of medical therapy. The COURAGE trial showed that in that case, about two-thirds of patients over about five years will not require a PCI procedure. What I'm alluding to is that one-third of the patients, after an initial therapy of optimal medical therapy only, crossed over to receive a revascularization, either PCI in most cases or bypass surgery. So I think that if you're an, an, a president of an insurance company, that your point is well taken. I would prefer that the cardiologists make the rules. No, I'm not, I don't want to give the power away, but it just seems that there are probably some unnecessary stents being placed out there. I agree completely. And I think that the American College of Cardiology is going to use the evidence that we produced with this trial to develop appropriateness criteria for not only PCI, a revision of the PCI criteria, but really for diagnostic 
cardiac catheterization. Dr. Marin, last question. You go see your physician. He does a CT angiogram on you, and you've got a 60% blockage of your descending LAD, and you have a normal stress test. What do you, David Marin, want to do for yourself? If I have no ischemia, then what this provides me is a window of opportunity to get very aggressive with my risk factor management. I would be happy with an LDL below 50. I would be happy with an HDL above 50. I would exercise. I would be on antiplatelet therapy. I would be on an ACE inhibitor. I would eat very little saturated fat. And for those people who know me, I already do these things without coronary disease. Dr. David Marin, thank you very much for coming on Lipid Luminations today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Lipid Luminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, please visit www.lipid.org. Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals.